0: The following message is from Kings Church 1066, based in Hastings, Bexhill and the surrounding area. For more information, head to our website, kings1066.org. Hello. Yay. Thanks so much, guys. Happy Jubilee weekend. Do you know what, I honestly thought many more of you would be away and that I wouldn't have to speak to so many people. So. Well, well done for being here anyway. It's good. Uh, Our youth are going to head out in a second uh, to youth on Sunday. But before that, uh, in the worship last week, weekend, um, as we were just, you know, fixing our eyes on Jesus, I had a picture of Jesus coming and taking out earphones um, in people's ears that couldn't hear, and they were dropping to the floor. So before we get into anything, I would just love to pray for that. So if you feel able to, comfortable to, why don't you just, if you are hard of hearing in any way... Why don't you just place your hands over your ears? Maybe if you can just see someone around you, just place your hand on their shoulder. And I'd love us to just pray for that in full faith, that God can move this morning in healing. See, our Lord, we thank you that you are the God that loves to heal us. Thank you that you have the power to heal Jesus. Thank you, we've seen you do it time and time again. And so this morning we speak in the name of Jesus to deaf ears. And we say, hear in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If there's any change in your hearing while uh, we go on through this morning, please come and tell us. So if you want prayer for anything else, there's a prayer thing area with a great team over there at the end of the day. Cool. Our youth will be heading out now, so youth, have a great time. Um, I think you've already gone. That's great. So uh, we are coming towards the end of what I think has been a great mini-series on the book of Ruth. We had Andrew's read-through, we had Paul on race and diversity, and then last week I felt Sam just spoke so brilliantly on God's heart for the vulnerable. I do encourage you, if you're missing out with serving uh, on Sundays, do listen to it in the week. It will do your soul good. So just as an introduction, oh man, I love this book, the Bible. I love the God it reveals to us as we read it. I love that these words are inspired by God, that they are God-breathed. I love that it's full of stories that all make up one big story from beginning to the end, God the Father, the Son, and the Spirit overflowing with love, creating us and wanting us to know him no matter what the cost. I love too that this book is filled with stories of people just like us. People who really, really mess up. People who are rich, people who are poor, people from many different nations, people who are wise, people who ask for wisdom, people who do incredible things for God, and also people who are very, very ordinary and just going through the ups and downs of their lives. I am amazed as I read this, at how God uses each of these people, each of these stories, to create this big story that points towards the pinnacle of history, Jesus Christ. Okay, so Ben can come up and we'll... No, I'm joking. (laughs) But if we honestly, if all that you hear today is just keep reading this, keep spending time with God, keep hearing his heart, then please hear that. It's so good. So Ruth's story is part and makes up Uh, as part of one of these little stories in this book. And it's been so great to hear these big themes coming through. And today, as Paul said, we are just going to focus in on Ruth herself, the character and the personality and the actions of Ruth. And although we remember that, as Paul Wedworthy's is going to share next week, I won't give too much away, he's going to look at Boaz, who's the kind of key sort of Jesus pointing towards figure in this particular story of Ruth. Actually, I believe that, all of the characters in the bible that do goods and that honor god somehow point us towards jesus and that's the same for us so i'd love us to as we're looking at ruth think about jesus and what that points to and then think about our own lives and how we can point to jesus too amazing so i'm just gonna kind of pickpocket a few reflections on ruth i guess so hopefully you can just stay with me on this slightly muggy rainy english weather day <laughs> So number one, Ruth loses. So Ruth 1, 4 to 5 says this. So uh, Naomi's husband died, and then this is the verse that comes after. these. Her sons took Moabite wives. The name of one of them was Orpah, and the other one was Ruth. And they lived there about ten years, and both Mahon and Cheon died, so that the women were left without her two sons and her husband. Now, I actually nearly missed this in the excitement of the main story, Um, but actually God slowed me right down and took me back to the start. It seems that youth was a young bride in her first marriage to Naomi's son. We don't know how long they were married. Uh, The passage probably indicates maybe up to 10 years they might have been married. But as we start, I think it's so important to recognize the brokenness and the pain at the start of this good story, but that he is the God that sees, that cares, and that knows. We've heard over the weeks that being a widow in this moment of history was a vulnerable place to be in. Financially, culturally, even their safety as women, their future shaken up. We must pause to remember as we look at Ruth how she comes into this story. She's lost in life. She's broken, she's hurting, she's confused, and she's grieving. And then it seems in the natural that she then chooses the lose-lose situation. She leaves the comfort um, of her own country while she's still in grief. She leaves her home, her family, her goods, her beliefs, and chooses to stay committed to her mother-in-law, a grief-ridden, bitter older lady who Ruth will need to look after. I am so grateful for the mercy of God over drawing Ruth to himself in her grief. Instead of finding little or even no comfort if she'd have gone back to her past and her old way, she ends up finding true joy and comfort in the one living God as she becomes part of his people. So just point one, if you feel like you're losing in life today or you've experienced deep loss, I am so sorry and I can't begin to imagine how and what many of you are going through. But I'd encourage you to hide yourself under the shadow of God's wing. He is still the God today who knows, who cares, and the God who has walked in this life in suffering, even to death. Guys, run to him. Don't run back to what you've known that you think will bring you comfort. Run to the God of comfort in your loss and your grieving. Number two, Ruth sees so through her grief and despair of herself and Naomi, I think it's incredible that Ruth seems to see something of God in Naomi, even through the darkness and the bitterness. I love the promise she makes. Let's just read that together. So it's Ruth 1, 16, 17. This is the promise Ruth makes. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. Your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and I will be buried there. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. Now, absolutely, this is a covenant promise of friendship and loyalty uh, from Ruth to Naomi. But might it just be that in this too, we see something of what's happening in Ruth's heart. She seems to be proclaiming in this moment to Naomi that Naomi's good and something that she sees of good in Naomi is something that she wants. We read later on, she says, May the Lord deal with me. And again, there's this moment where she's recognizing God as the Lord. That's massive. This Moabite uh, worshipping idol woman that, that would have been part of her culture. Actually, she declares, may the Lord. And isn't it amazing that through this horrific situation and through this sad life of this woman that's been left with no husband, no sons, not knowing what to do, Ruth sees something of Naomi's faith in God. I wonder if our view of God has become clearer through all that shaking up in our world right now, I wonder when life shakes us, do we run to God or do we run away from God? I know a few times in my life where things have happened, I've experienced real rejection, and another moment where I'm just so shocked beyond belief at something uh, really hard. And actually, it just made me feel numb towards God. I just. I thought, God, did I, I, I don't even know how to start to bring this to you. I don't even have the words. I, I can't explain and I'm scared to kind of unleash what's in my heart. But oh my word, by his grace, when I came to him and when I gave it to him, there's been this relief and this reminder that he is the one that can take it. His shoulders are far bigger than life's deepest hurts. His love is bigger than our mess. I wonder too, if people have been able to see God at work in us, like Ruth saw in Naomi. Even over the last couple of years of lockdown, the pandemic, and even now with all that's going on, I wonder, and it's a challenge for me too, I've wondered what do people see in me when other things are stripped away? Even in grief and heartbreak or joy and celebration, what do people see in me? What do people see in you? It's good to think about these things, right? To allow Holy Spirit to really challenge us. Amazing. So number three, Ruth serves. This is kind of an obvious one, um, but I love the description uh, here we see in Ruth 2 verse 2. Let's have a look together. I told you we'd whip through. It says this, and Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favour. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. I think this description speaks volumes about Ruth. Naomi most probably is physically unable, and Ruth jumps to do it. Without even being asked, we can kind of pick up. She sees a need. She sees a necessity, and she sees the part she can play, and she does it. Now, I have, as Paul mentioned, the privilege of heading up our youth across our venues at King's. And I get to do it with a team filled with some of the most servant-hearted people I know. Let me tell you about them. Our youth team come after long weeks at work, uni, parenting life, at least one, if not two, evenings a week. They set up the whole building youth style. They give their all with the youth. Then they then pack everything away, often till gone ten. They prepare talks, they run youth on Sunday, they disciple youth in their spare time, they pray for youth, they run band practices for youth, they invest in them, they use up their holiday time to take a bunch of 80 teenagers away camping. They give them loving friendship. We're going to have sign ups for the youth team at the end if you, if you want to join. I'm really selling it, aren't I know. <laughs> no, but seriously, just to honour the youth team right now, thank you guys for all you do. Yes. There is a. I could, I could go through team after team, person after person, and honour so many of you and your serving. There is something so. God displaying about serving one another, using our time and our skills. Jesus even says, doesn't he, the two greatest commands I give you, to love God and love one another. To love God and love one another. Ruth willingly loves others in how she serves. Now I can imagine gleaning is pretty hard work. Physically in the heat of the day in Israel, bending over and over again in the dust. But also the emotional battle as her and Naomi, most probably living hand to mouth, she's got in her mind as she's doing this, I must get stuff to eat, I must get stuff to eat. And then the safety. She would have known that the dangers for a young foreign woman to be in a field of mostly guys. We read later on, Boaz tells his workers to look after her, to not touch her, and for her to stay close to the other women working in the field. It gives us a bit of an insight into the dangers of that culture. Yet, Ruth jumps in, boldly, willingly, and out of sheer need. And God blesses her in where he places her in the serving. I wonder, where could we be like Ruth in seeing a need, jumping to serve one another before even being asked? Just to give a bit of an example, I know one thing that served me so well now as a young mum is when I was younger, just hanging around parents with kids. And I. I remember, I know uh, we see updates from them, at Rosie and Howard, I used to go to Rosie's house every week, and it was chaos, you won't mind me saying, the kids were tiny, uh, the boys would jump all over us, and we'd be trying to read a bit of the Bible, and I absolutely learned so much from the Bible, and from Rosie, and loving Jesus, but more than that, it served me, because I remember how she was, and how she, in weakness some days, and just tiredness, how she loved God, and loved her kids, and raised them. And I wonder whether even for some of you, older uh, grandparents maybe even, who could you get alongside? Who's young mums and dads or uh, a- any situation that people find themselves in that you think, I could, I could give you some wisdom or just come and hang out with me. Come and do the shopping with me and I'll teach you how to budget. come and and help me clean my house and we can talk about God together. There's so much that can be done, yes, in the context of church and Sundays, but oh my word in just life and serving one another in how we share wisdom and insight and practical help. So where can we step in? Where can we serve? Who could we phone in the week to bless and serve? Who could we pray for if we're unable to help practically? Who can we commit to praying for in serving that way? Amazing. I told you we were whittling through. Number four, Ruth bows down. This, I really felt the Holy Spirit stopped me on this one for us this morning. Let's read Ruth 2 for a moment. Amazing. So then Boaz says to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in any other field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men to not touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessel and drink where the young men have drawn. And then she fell on her face and bowing to the ground, she said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? And we'll stop it there for the moment. But it seems Ruth knows how to bow down. And what do I mean by that? Yes, we read that in this part of the story and culturally at this time, it seemed the right thing for Ruth to do would be to bow down. He's a man, and in that culture, again, just honouring men, and then he's the owner of the field that Ruth is gleaning from, so of course she would bow down. But I think we see more in this. I think we see that throughout Ruth's story, she is one that bows down in humility, in surrender, and in strength. She bows down to her wants and her desires. As she sticks with Naomi, she bows down as she serves. She bows down as she uh, shows gratefulness to Boaz. She elevates in this moment his kindness over her honoring, his honoring of her serving. And I think that at the end of this story even, I, I realise that when Ruth marries Boaz and has a baby, it's actually Naomi that gets honoured at the end. So even there, Ruth isn't mentioned. Ruth's life, I see, is not about Ruth. She doesn't seem to be meek and weak in this. She speaks up when she needs, but she seems to display this beautiful heart to step aside and let others have the glory, to think of them before her. Uh, a book that I was encouraged to read a while ago, uh, which I found so great. It's Tim Keller. It's The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness. I definitely encourage you to read it. There's a great quote in it. It says this, The essence of gospel humility is not thinking more of myself or thinking less of myself. It is thinking of myself less. It's a bit of a tongue twister. Let me say that again. I think it's on one of the slides as well. The essence of gospel humility is not thinking of myself more or thinking of myself less, it's thinking less of myself. Now it's easy for us to all get caught, if you imagine this slider, um, that we can either be kind of on one side if we're honest, like a little bit proud, like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty all right. Like, I'm confident, I'm, I'm, I'm a good person. Or down the other end of, woe is me, what have I done? I'm like this. And I don't know about you, but I can find myself bouncing between the two quite often. This world shouts messages to us of, you do you, believe in yourself, put yourself first and the rest will follow. Your rights, your freedom, your you, you, you. And then the lies in our head scream out, you're not good enough. You're not worth it. You're not as good as them. You're you, you, you. And both ends make it about us. How often do I, how often do we place ourselves as center in our thoughts, in our actions, when actually we could prefer others over ourselves, stepping aside so that others can step up. I know for me, I can get caught up in just thinking about myself, even you know, during the shop or going about my day. I'm just thinking of things like uh, what I've said in my mind over myself, thinking about my finance, my marriage, my kids, um, how I'm feeling emotionally, or I hope they like me, or I hope I didn't offend that person. And before we know it, it's just constant me, me, me. And it's, it's really good to be self-aware. Don't hear what I'm not saying. It's, it's really good to be self-aware and to think about where we're at. But I wonder... Brothers and sisters, I wonder if we just create a little bit more space in our minds and in our actions to park ourselves aside and to think about God and think about others. It's back to that commandment, right, isn't it? Jesus said, love the Lord your God and love others. Let us be better at asking the Lord to help us put on gospel humility, to not be swayed by how we feel about ourselves but to be rooted in who we are in Jesus. And in that position, oh, it's so freeing. It's so freeing because we know who we are. We don't need to get caught up in our own thoughts so much and we can think, this is who I am. This is who you are. And I'm called to love others. It seems that Ruth did this through how she acted. It's so clear as well in the words it says in Romans, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind in Christ Jesus. And then Jesus again said himself, this goes against the you do you attitude. No, no, no. Jesus says, Seek first his kingdom, and all will be added. It's radical, it's it's radical, and it takes guts to put others before ourselves. But it's good and okay to be people, to be a church, to be Christ followers who bow down before God and bow down to love others. Ruth is courageous. I'm just going to whip through this point. She has got courage. This girl's got courage. She trusts Naomi's instruction. We won't read it, but do flick to it later in your own time. Ruth 3. Naomi gives her clear instruction and she just does it. She says, all you say, um, all you say, I will do. And she heads to the field, she puts perfume on, she lays at Boaz's feet and basically proposes to him. I mean, that takes guts. And then if we read on, Boaz then tells her, you've got to wait. And again, she just does all she's told to do. And I don't think it's in a I'm being walked over way. I think this is in a bold, fearless way. I think and I wonder if her view of Naomi and Boaz and ultimately the good that she's beginning to understand, I wonder if her heart is being so filled by their actions and their faith that actually that fills her up with courage. Now, please, please, as a response to this point, do not put perfume on and go stand in a field and just think, courage come to me. Please don't do that. But... In our own ways and places and context that we're in, I think it's wonderful to think about how we can learn from Ruth here and stepping out in courage. Who, who's speaking into your life? Who's speaking into my life? That I see God in them and I think, I trust you. I trust what you're going to say. And who do you go to to ask for advice and then just say, yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to step out in faith in God. And I think the advice you've given me is sound and solid and I'm going to courageously do do that? What might God be saying to you that you think, I think I just need to do that. I need to step out. Even who are you speaking into somebody else's life? Who have you got around you that you can pour courage into? I believe we've been made to get before God, to be filled with his spirit, to read his word, to seek godly discipleship and to be courageous for him. In all we do here in our short lives, can I get the band up? Is that all right? Just as we finish. Finally, Ruth points us to Jesus as we remembered at the start. He is the crux, he's the center point to all there is. The courage, the humility, the servant heartedness we see in Ruth's story is magnified and perfected in the person of Jesus Christ. I'd love to just read Philippians 2 to you quickly. It says this, Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross, So therefore God has exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus knew what it was to experience loss. Jesus sees, like Sam pointed to us at the start, he doesn't just see Father God, he is the image of the invisible God. When we look to Jesus, we see the Father. Jesus served. He came not to be served, but to serve. He got down on his knees. He washed his friend's feet. He touched the lepers. Jesus bowed down, as we just read. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. And finally, Jesus is mightily courageous. He is filled with the Spirit. He defeated death. He triumphed over the grave. And now he is ruling and reigning, having won the victory. Guys, if you've put your faith in Jesus this morning, all he is has now been given to you. It is mind-blowing. In the prayer meeting this morning, we were reminded we are hidden in Christ. We are now drawn into this story, his story. And we're called to walk lives that reflect and point towards Jesus. Our our lives might look very different to Ruth, or maybe um, not even as dramatic, but in our everyday same old, same old, we can reflect Jesus. We can point people back to the cross and forward to the day. When Jesus will be worshipped and adored by every tribe, every nation, every language. If you don't know Jesus yet today, if you haven't yet put your faith in Jesus here this morning, let me tell you, this story of Ruth is a picture for you. Ruth was a foreigner. She didn't belong with the people of God. Actually, God draws her in. The invitation for you this morning is Jesus' arms are wide open. He wants you. He wants you to come and know full forgiveness of sins and peace with God found through Jesus. Following him is hard and it's costly, but in light of what is to come, it is so worth it. Shall we stand together? That would be brilliant. Just any. amazing. Why don't you just, I know I've kind of shared a lot and we've kind of whizzed through, but why don't you just in your own way start to respond to, uh, to God. The band are going to just start playing. We're going to just start by lifting Jesus high again. Pick up from where we left off. We're going to just start by saying, Jesus, this is who you are. If you don't yet know him, this is a chance for you to just say, Jesus, I, I'm hearing a lot about you. I think I want to know you. Come and just show me who you are maybe talk to the person who brought you But if you do know him why don't you just start to lift your eyes up to him again lift your heart to him again there's a whole lot of stuff that I've mentioned that you can pick up in the week in time with him on your own but right now we're going to just together as his people think about Jesus the crux of history Jesus, we love you. We love you. Thank you so much for all you are. Thank you that our little lives actually count. That although in the ordinary and the mundane, we might just feel, who sees this? You see Jesus. And we're counted in as part of your story. We worship you, Jesus. We love you.